Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast brought to you by Cisco. On this podcast, we take complex tech topics and break them down for the non-tech listener with your hosts, Gabby, Ian, and Kyle. All right, we are back. Another edition of Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast brought to you by our friends at Cisco. The gang is back together. (laughs) Kyle, Gabby, how are we doing today? We're doing great. Gabby and I are both fresh off of vacation, I think. So we're uh, we're we're doing great. Rejuvenated. Feeling awesome. <laughs> Ready to talk some telecom today, then. Yeah, we're gonna. We're gonna this is a topic we haven't brought up yet in this series, and it's kind of an oldie one, but uh, it's at the basis of a lot of stuff we do today. So. It's a good, good time to plant the seed. Yeah, plant the seed, connect some dots. Gabby and I are ready to learn as always. Gabby, I think, did a lot of research for this episode, so we might defer to her a few times here for questions. Absolutely. But, I'm the new expert. <laughs> we'll do a Freaky Friday episode one day. Before we get to that, though, let's start where we always start. So tell me where... Telecom started, Kyle. I imagine it's a long. I mean, is that is it Alexander Graham Bell? Do we go that that far? Yeah, which is which is also one of those interesting factoids, depending on how much of the internet you believe. But well, Al Gore created that, so yeah. Interesting factoid that Alexander Graham Bell may not have been the first person to invent the telephone, but let's let's say it is. So late 1800s, 1876 is when he's actually attributed. Uh, for the idea of a telephone or the first patent. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about telephone just in the lead in the opener here, even though the topic is telecommunications because one of the one of the end goals here is just to establish that telecommunications is really two elements. It's a connection between two devices and then it's the media that's traveling across it. So in the telephone world, the connection is the line and the medium is your voice. But in modern day, voice could be a fax signal. It could be voice over IP. It could be a video. It could be images. It doesn't matter. It's a media, a, a media element traveling across a line. So yeah. So we'll start way back, 1800s, late 1800s, with the telephone, the introduction of the telephone, and to to get to some of our cool facts about certain things that we do today, like how telephone numbers work and all that. You kind of have to start there with how those lines work. So initially, telephone was two separate pieces. There was the one you listen to, you hold up to your ear, and there was the piece that you speak into. The 90s, you know, 80s, 90s telephones moved all that into one thing that we all see as a handset, but it still had that little coiled cable down to the base of the phone. Then you had speaker and microphone in the same device, and then now we've all moved on to just miniature computers <laughs> that have microphones and speakers in them. But in those uh, initial days with the telephone, if you wanted to make a phone call between two locations, you had to have dedicated phones in each of those locations. So if Ian wanted to talk to Gabby, you would each have to have a phone that was physically connected to one another in your homes. And if you wanted to talk to me, you'd have to buy a separate phone so that your that, that phone would be the Kyle phone and then it would connect to my line to my phone. So just imagine having to call, make a whole bunch of different contacts. You would have to have 
a bunch of physical phones in your location. Can you imagine how cathartic breaking up with someone or ending a friendship would be? Like you're just throwing away a phone. Like I'm done <laughs> talking to this person for I don't even need the device anymore. That's right. Physically throw it out. Yeah. So if so keep that in mind. So that that's where that's where all this started. Two-way communication, devices in, in each location. Obviously, that doesn't scale. And so then you started, then things like switchboards started to get introduced. And if you've, you two are way too young to know switchboards, but if you've talked to your parents or watched old TV shows, you, you have this image of a operator sitting there moving wires on this, almost a pegboard on the wall, connecting lines. Yep. So that was the original operator. Now we think you press zero for an operator. That was the original operator. And the physical thing that they were moving the wires between was the original switchboard. And so all of the physical lines between Gabby's house and Ian's house could be switched to Gabby's house and Kyle's house physically by the operator moving these two lines. That's nuts. Yep. So that's what they did. So uh, they sat there and moved those lines for a living to, to make those connections and uh, if you really think back to how phone calls used to work, there was no dial pad. So you indicated your intent to make a phone call by lifting the piece that you listed into. Yep. You lift it. It creates a signal back to the operator. The operator says, hi, Ian, how can I help you? And you'd say something like, connect me to Gabby. And they'd go, hold on a second. And they'd physically move the lines. And all of a sudden, Gabby's phone is ringing and you have a live live connection. So We've come a long, long way from there, obviously. Now I can click on someone's face and be on a video call with them in half a second. Yeah, that's right. So long, long way from there. Um, in As we started to, as we evolved past that into real, you know, consumer use and commercial use of phone lines, then those switchboards got bigger, operators got bigger. Uh, technology evolved into having central offices, uh, which uh, ran all the phone lines. Some of the little fun facts on uh, the, the way those phone lines work to central offices are giant batteries. And they're constantly sending current. They're sending DC current to your phone. And when they want to ring your phone, they would increase the voltage up high enough that it would ring a physical bell inside your phone. That would make the ringing sound. Uh, when you picked up the phone, uh, it released the plunger in the phone and connected the two lines. And now you had a, an active phone conversation. DTMF tones. Those are the, the, you know, the dial pad, you're pressing digits. DTMF is an acronym. Who cares? Dual tone, multi-frequency. It's just the way that those um, digits sound when you press a button. So, all, all of the operator and the switchboard stuff ended up getting replaced with with electricity, in, in effect, got replaced with electricity and uh, sound on the lines. The the DTMF tones were, were sound on the lines. A, a, another sound on the line, dial tone, is just the central office's way of telling you that your phone is ready to go and you can start your call. If you pick up an IP phone today in 2021, pick up a desk phone, it gives you dial tone, right? That's not coming from the central office. That's just generated by your phone to placate you because it knows <laughs> that human beings 
are used to hearing that sound. And so the manufacturers of IP phones just play that sound in your ear so that you go, oh, my phone's working. And then you press, you start pressing digits. Again, the digits make a noise back to you so that you go, oh, I pressed the one. I heard a one. The phone doesn't. It's so like, I, I mean, I don't like, we're, we're the most advanced thing on the planet Earth. But like when our phone is off the hook or picked up or our car door is open, like we need a sound to just like ding, ding. Like, like it's unbelievable. We're all Pavlov's dogs. Yeah. Just Obviously. play me, please. <laughs> yeah. So now we've moved to that, all of that signaling being, it's called out of band now, but pressing digits on your iPhone, on your IP desk phone, none of those digits actually go anywhere. They just make noises back to you. Your phone recognizes that you pressed it. And so it sends a signal to the far end saying the user pressed a one. It doesn't send the noise of a one to the far end. It just sends a signal. And then, uh, you know, if you're on your mobile phone and you're calling the pharmacy and you're interacting with the IVR, press one to refill your prescription. That when you press one, you send a signal to your central office and they generate the noise for you. It doesn't actually come all the way through your phone. So anyway, so there's just, it, it's all, like I said in the opener, it's a connection and it's noise or a medium or an image or whatever. It's just, the, those are the, the two, uh, two real elements. So when did the, and maybe I'm jumping ahead here. When did the term become synonymous with, or when did we see this become like industrialized into like telecom today means service provider in my mind. Yeah. So uh, the, well, so there's more of a history lesson there too. So central offices, like I said, were the batteries that ran all these lines. And then you start, you get into things like party lines, uh, all, all of those phone uh, elements of this technology evolved over time. Uh, and as that was happening, the technology needed to expand into out of the metropolis and rural areas, et cetera. And so that's when you started having all these local service providers or local POPs, points of presence or whatever. There's a million terms for, for these companies that were responsible for the last mile of a phone call or a fax call or whatever, whatever it is, any, any telecom. So, yeah, I think there's some, business slash industry misuse of the word here Ian, that makes you connect those two things as uh, synonymous but yeah that that service providers are a big element of how that technology is delivered to customers so they're not the same thing then so when someone says they're a telecom that's wrong it's they they need more words they need to keep talking they need to say (laughs) i'm a telecom service provider (laughs) yeah I'm excited to tell someone that one day. Yeah. Well, you know, being being right uh, doesn't always make you a, 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 a friend. So you just got to be careful. Uh, I got enough friends. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that where we want to go next? Because that's kind of where I want to go next. Because I have questions. I mean, that's, I think, for our existing partners today, that's where a lot of them play. That's where a lot of, to your, you alluded to this earlier, a lot of the technology connects is in the service provider part of telecommunications. Yep. So I have a question right off the bat. Why are telecommunication service providers <laughs> not monopolies, at least geographically? Because like I can only get charter today. Yep. 
Um, okay. So long answer. Let's try to keep it short for podcast. Um, as the technology became more prevalent and rolled out, those of us around, that were old, old enough to be around in the industry at the time knew the term Ma Bell. Uh, the, the Bell companies did have a monopoly on telephone service. Okay. And in the 80s, they were broken up. So now you, you hear the term baby bells sometimes, but they did have a monopoly on kind of that vertical on telephone. So they just had like telephones world, US-wide were bell. Yep. Yep. So they, they own, well, yeah, US-wide. So they owned the switchboards. They owned the physical switching equipment that got you from location uh, A to B. Real quick, the identity of a telephone number. So uh, we have area codes, which typically uh, are geographical based. So in, in the U.S., you've got three digits, three digits, four digits. So the first three are area code, could be geography. It's sort of designated for use in a certain place. That next three numbers is what's called the prefix, and that's the central office that that phone number is associated to. And then the last four numbers are the specific subscriber number. So we do have to stay, keep our minds back away from the 20s, the, the 2000s, into where providers had, or uh, I'm sorry, subscribers like you and I and Gabby had a specific phone line and a specific phone number. Those 10 digits uh, indicated where our endpoint was, where our house was, where our phone was. The, um, so now getting back to your question, Ian, the more of that that you own, the switching, the actual switching, and the the ownership of those numbers, uh, the more at risk of a monopoly, a risk of a monopoly exists. So, when the Bell companies were broken up in the '80s, uh, a lot of the regulation, which we'll talk about uh, in a part two, but a lot of the regulations over toll and and um, who owns the numbers and can you port a number? Can you move a device from one switch to another, from one provider to another? All of that started coming up then. So now what you're talking, what you're experiencing specifically is you want to become a subscriber in your geographical location, but you only have one service provider that's offering service there. So is that a monopoly? Uh, sort of. It's a localized monopoly yeah. uh, in, in on your specific street. Um but it has more to do with infrastructure than anything else. So well, that's, I get that. And that's like Google's trying to lay cable around the world. And yep. we eventually they make it out here to West Greenville. But like, I felt like Thanos, like, you know, where, look where it brought you it's back to me. Because like I called, I won't name their name, but I called my, if you live in the Southeast, you probably know who they are. They called my service provider, telecom service provider. And was like, well, don't love what you have to offer. Let me go look or shop around. And I called competitor A and I called competitor B and I called competitor C that I, I know exists within this geographical area, but none of them service my exact area. So I had to go back to competitor A. And, Hat in hand. Hat yeah. in hand. Like, and at that point, one, they know I've tried everything else. There is no reason they're going to provide me any offer, deal, or quality of service at all. Yeah, so now you know firsthand why 
internet telephony service providers exist because you can get phone service across your internet connection from anybody that provides the anybody that operates as an ITSP as an internet telephony service provider because they are handling the switching and routing and the phone number part and the billing part of your telephone interaction but someone local to you is handling the physical connection from you to the net, whatever that net is. And in this case, it would be the internet. Uh, so yeah, so you're, you're firsthand experiencing a, uh, a monopoly on the infrastructure in your physical location in West Greenville. Yeah. And that, that physical connection, that last mile of copper uh, to your house is not being leased out to anybody else. So whoever laid it owns it, and uh, you're at their mercy unless you take advantage of the internet. So when we talk about, because so and I'm I'm dumb, which is really the premise of this entire podcast. <laughs> but uh, when we talk about Google's laying cable and laying, they're they're putting down fiber countrywide. Yep. They're not like digging trenches, right? Like they're doing that on the existing infrastructure of the telephone poles that exist today, or are they quite literally digging trenches up across the country and laying pipe? Um, so it's going to be pipe. It's going to be buried. The days of running new technology up over above ground telephone poles is, is past us. So new infrastructure. That's how the internet connects to my house, Kyle. So let's be very careful there. But they're using, it's already there, right? So the infrastructure is already there. They're just using that to connect to your house. But that's, again, that's sort of why these, the the monopoly exists and the toll fees exist for last mile access for for, uh, telephone service providers uh, is because of that. There's an infrastructure that they've paid for that's there and it's not going anywhere. Those copper lines that are running over telephone poles are just going to sit there forever. Uh, might as well use them, might as well, uh, run whatever you can get across it. Now you can't hit the speeds across copper that you can with fiber, which is why Google's trying to get a fiber backbone everywhere. So yeah, so new physical layer stuff is going to get buried. But there are services you can still provide over the old the old technology above ground. Okay. I have a question. So Ian knows I'm a big FaceTime person, and my understanding is that that's the big, like that's the biggest I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I FaceTime every day someone. But anyway, so like that's taking place over the internet, not through like I mean, my phone's Verizon, but like yep. you know what I'm saying. So. Do you think, like, in 20 years, everyone will just call over the internet? Like, do you think that will just eventually die out? So, uh, we if we start questions with so, then I have to start an answer with so, right? Is that how it works? <laughs> sure. So, yeah, that's so, uh, looking at my crystal ball and the way the industry wants to head. That's where we're going, Gabby, is that everything's happening across the internet. As because of the things that the internet provides us, like global scalability and low latency and it being unregulated and free, th- those are all the reasons why more traffic is going to be is going to go across the internet. Now, the the challenge becomes the subscriber ID, which is kind of a is is very technical. But if you're FaceTiming Ian 
you're FaceTiming a contact in your phone that you've named Ian Thompson, and he has a specific subscriber ID somewhere uh, with his provider. And so in order to FaceTime him, your subscriber has to connect to his subscriber, and there's some technology in between uh, which routes your call from here to there. And that is a crazy dark side of telecom, which we don't have time, thankfully, left in this podcast to, to get into, but the routing and the location of subscribers uh, is big time business and that's not going anywhere. So that that's kind of the core, the backbone of all of these different types of telecom uh, services. But yeah, we, we will get away from, I mean, we're already analog phones are gone. Uh, you still have them in certain, cer- certain circumstances like elevator door phone or the elevator emergency phone. Uh, that's still analog in most cases. Uh, door phones are a lot of times analog. That's like the buzzer when you walk up to an apartment building and try to buzz in. Uh, so some of this technology still exists and will be used for a while because there's always the what if. What what if my internet connection is down and I, can I call 911? So people will keep some form of analog uh, traditional phone service into their their businesses in most cases uh, so that they can always call out, but everything is moving to what you ask, Abby. Everything's moving to internet calling. So back to, yeah. Another so. <laughs> back so. to the, I'm going to need to make sure, telecommunications service, telecommunications service providers. Yep. Presumably they all started as just phone companies. And they've now expanded to kind of being full service VARs, for lack of a better way of putting it, in that they've added on networking as a service. They've added on cloud. I mean, I guess collaboration was already kind of their original service offering, but I guess they probably extended that. So is it just they own the infrastructure and they can kind of continue to expand their product offering because they already have the target like audience base and it's just fishing in their own pond essentially. Yeah. So I keep using this phrase, the last mile, and I hope that resonates, but literally these, the the ones that you're talking about that have successfully made the transition from, I just provide dial tone to, I also provide dial tone and television service and there's probably tiers of them too right there's probably the local like the charters the sudden links of the world but then there's the like the at&t's and verizon's who do it at an entirely different level because they've added on which i guess charter has now but like cell phone service and all of that as well that's right because they own more of the network the larger the network the more subscribers you can put on it and the more services that you can put on it so you will find local service providers like get out of suburbia to get into rural areas you'll find service providers that still only do dial tone they, they still only do phone service uh, because that's what their infrastructure supports that's what their services teams can handle that's what their billing teams can handle that's what the backbone can handle um, but yeah you watch them evolve they'll start to add new things into that connection into your house whatever that copper line or that connection physical coax cable sometimes into your house, whatever that can support, whatever media that can support, if they've got the infrastructure to provide it, they will, and they'll bill you for it. And so that's what you've seen here in Greenville. I've been in Greenville a long time too. You've seen these local providers go from just providing dial tone to providing dial tone and internet. And then Gabby's question, now you're providing voice over the internet, get off the the old 
uh, analog dialing plans and into voice over IP. And then all of a sudden now you've got streaming services and subscription services and you name it, all, all the other as a services that you mentioned. Uh, again, it's all media. It's all different types of media or different types of signaling coming across the same line. Interesting. Yeah. ARPU is a good new acronym. If you haven't heard it, ARPU, average revenue per user, roughly uh, ARPU. So that, that's what service providers are all about is increasing ARPU so that they can get, get you as a subscriber that's physically located in their pond to subscribe to new services. All right, I'm gonna, let's let's leave that as our lasting takeaway. Then um, I, I do have a lot of questions around security, but I know we wanted to save those for a part two, so we'll tease that here. Uh, we can talk spam calls and fake numbers, and yes, maybe why Star Six Seven used to work as a kid. Yeah, the good old days. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, all the all the dark sides of how telecommunications are used, I guess. Um, so Kyle, thank you. Uh, I learned a, a, lot, a lot about something I thought I knew a lot about today. So Great. Well, I'm looking forward to part two because uh, I get just as many of those spam calls as you do. And I've been working in the industry for, it feels like, 20 years. So yeah. It's nice they tell you that, though. So. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Right. Until then. Today's interview is brought to you by Cisco WebEx. Cisco WebEx is a platform 95% of Fortune 500 companies use for their collaboration needs. WebEx meetings brings people from all over the globe together. It's like being there in person even when you can't be. Join from any device and get HD quality audio and video and even share your screen. From online meetings to whiteboarding to file sharing with the whole team, work progresses with WebEx. It's how millions do their best teamwork.